Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. It's Tuesday, and you're watching AM to DM. Let's talk about camp or lack thereof. Uh, Jasmine tweeted this. Everyone, what's the point of the Met Gala without Rihanna, Billy Porter? The point! Oh, my God. I am the point. The point is me. You will get camp and stand. What a moment. Uh, What an entrance. That's why it's like in a moment like that, do they have to be like, Hey, guys, everybody else hold out for five minutes. Yeah, like, that's an interesting... You know what? I I feel like Lady Gaga, and I'm sure we're going to talk about her later this morning, too. Lady Gaga and Billy Porter really understand camp, right? Like, it's not just what you're wearing. It's not just fabric. It's your attitude. It's your vibe. And it's your entrance. It's how you carry the clothes through a space. I stand. The the pun being carry. Being carried by all those (laughs) men. All those men. Billy Porter. And also just, like, the wings. Just the whole All of it. Yeah, that would have been enough. The fact that they were layers Uh and moments and, like, moments after moment. I do want to know how he sat at that table because then they go in there and eat food. I'm like, well, what, was that, what was that like, Billy? You, but. Is, the, is that, that is part of it though, right? That it's not tongue in cheek. You're, cheek. you're not like winking at the camera. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're just all the way in. You're really all the way going in. all the way in yeah. on ridiculousness. To that point, Natalie Reed tweeted, Billy Porter was 100% the one who most nailed the theme. It was excessive and outrageous and decadent, and it looked completely effortless, and he looked completely at home in it, and it looked, and this is crucial, like it was taken seriously. I love it. And so that's the thing, Uh, right? It's not like, it's not ironic. It's like, no, I look magnificent Mm -hmm. in this extravagant, over-the-top outfit. Yeah, camp, I don't think, is being, like, inherently queer, but the way I try to think of it is if we could remove shame, if we could Mm. remove the way we think about gender and how you're supposed to dress and da-da-da-da-da, and just how would we be if we, particularly as men, could fully just embrace all, you know, all of ourselves, and and Billy just does that so beautifully, you know, how would we show up for fun events, you know? And he wasn't alone. Let me, there were few and far between... There were some other yeah. men that really brought it last yeah. night. Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller did a good job. Was and I believe really Ezra, incredible. Yeah, and I think Ezra was on the committee, so you know, there's like kind of a higher expectation. Okay. And okay. I think Ezra met met that expectation. I mean, because look, we're getting we're getting the tuxedo uh-huh. look. We're getting the corset, which is very feminine. We've got the like the gown mm-hmm. element, a little Marlene Dietrich hair, and then the eyes and the mask, which is just weird and delightful. The eyes really messed. Like I was looking at one picture and I was just like kind of zoning out and getting mesmerized, and then I was like, <laughs> oh wait, those I literally thought it was the different eyes with the real eyes. <laughs> Like, he was very impressively done. I don't know. It was really good. If it, I couldn't tell if it was, like, prosthetics or just, like, paint on his face. I think it was real eyes. I think Ezra Miller just grew Stitched those eyes there. just for last night. Yeah. He did an incredible job. So Who good. else for you, like, really brought it? Um, I think Jared Leto did a good job. Mm. And it's commendable. And again, part of this, I think maybe what we learned yesterday is maybe camp is just something people have. Mm. Because, like, Jared Leto, it was like, of course, like, Gucci, he loves wearing Gucci clothes all the time. He's usually wearing it. Uh, this is an allusion to a past... Uh, runway design from the House of Gucci where models went down the runway holding their heads. Like, it's weird. It's also fabulous. It looks good. His hair looks good. And I feel like, let's be honest, Jared, Billy, and Ezra, they're just campy people. They, they've that, just got it in them. They've got, like, it's they, in the they DNA. know how to do it and do it right. <laughs> I love that one, too. One, because it was very memeable. You saw yes. a lot of people tweeting, like, me per my last email, me retweeting oh, my own funny. tweets. I like that. Like, a lot I of like that. that. But I also liked his look because I feel like he could, was last year... The, the Vatican, the church yeah. thing. Which, like, it should have worked as a saint thing, too. The campiest of all religions, Catholicism. <laughs> like, it, it tracks. Dress totally ridiculously, yeah. but take it very seriously. <laughs> I think that tracks. Yeah. But sadly, that's about it. I mean, Harry Styles did cute. Honorable mention for Harry Styles. It was fine. I felt like so Harry Styles and Ezra Miller were both on the committee, and Mm. like 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 last year Rihanna was on the committee, Mm -hmm. and so I have a higher bar for them. Okay. I think Ezra did a good job. I think Harry Styles was fine. He He, always is a little frilly. He had the makeup. That's cute. He had the earring. But I get what you're saying. Like I like that you could see his tattoos. But and there were a few others. But overall, most of the men Mm, mm, mm. didn't do nearly as great. Alex Jung tweeted. These white boys could have just shown up in Patagonia vests and khakis, and it would be more camp. Truly. And there was, there was a lot of Damn. just black suits. Boy. Right? Black suits? That's what I was like, at the very least, I was like, maybe, you know, like it was like Project, uh, uh, Project Runway or RuPaul's Drag Race, where it's just like a safe look. I mm. thought I, I expected to see a lot of men in like a colorful suit. Mm. And it'd be like just a plain tuxedo, but it would be electric blue. Mm. Bright or, or yellow. Bright green. Like I, I saw like, I think Omari Hardwick had a great like green suit. Like, yeah, okay. People didn't even do that. I was shocked by the laziness. Mm. Um, uh, Richard Madden, particularly Richard Madden and Taryn Egerton, because they're literally promoting a biopic about Elton John, who like 
is like can't personify. It's like could you just like ask to borrow something? Yeah, like look at that. And people are like, he has a white streak in his hair. He always has a damn white streak in his hair. That's not a <laughs> Susan Sontag reference. <laughs> Don't buy the propaganda. I do, I, listen, I dress in black a lot, I but that's it. the thing. I was not going to the Met Gala. You literally own an electric blue suit. Though, yeah, that's right? true. That is yeah. absolutely true. You would do and I would definitely do like a full yes. face of makeup. Absolutely. Um, Liam Hem- Hemsworth didn't even. His hair didn't even look good, y'all. Don't even. <laughs> no. Just, you can't. Just, how are you gonna show up off theme and mediocre looking? Is what I don't <laughs> understand. And then you know, alas, alas, it was not just white men who were disappointing us last night. Rami Malek, again, Queen. Yeah. I'm like you have you, and I know he's probably a method actor. You have been invoking the spirit of Freddie Mercury for like two years now, and this you came up with some boots and just that's what you. And that's what it was, right? It was just like kind of shiny boot. Like Camp is not doing a touch, right? Right. Camp is not doing a Full touch. On. Camp is head Full to on. toe. You're going for it. And you know, and maybe that's it. And I'm like, is this it? Is this all that? Because to me, I'm like, Camp is like setting the inside free, like the interiority. Mm. So I'm like, is that all you have in you? That's it, sad, dog. Is, is there anybody else that just like Frank Ocean? Mm. I don't even know. There Look was, at him. He's rolling his own eyes. There was a part of me that I did see him take a camera out and start taking a picture of the paparazzi. And I was kind of like, is that camp that he's like pretending to be paparazzi? If you have to guess. If you have to ask. All I just think that's like Billy Porter, the moment, I feel like people were like, I almost cried when I saw the photo. Like the commanding of it, you know, mm-hmm. just like no doubt that's camp. If you mm-hmm. have to question. Mm. Anyway, well, we're going to stay on the positive. It wasn't all <laughs> disappointment last night. Uh, the ladies, I think, really turned it out. Mm. Uh, Teen Vogue features editor Gabe Bergato tweeted, me looking at a guy wearing gray set sweatpants. And this is part I'm of I'm adding that to my meme folder. This is part of the fun like for it. me about mm-hmm. the Met Gala. I won't lie. I, exp- I did not grow up knowing a lot about the Met Gala. Mm-hmm. I really experienced it through the timeline. Sure. So for me, it yeah. is obviously about these incredible outfits. Like, I think fashion mm-hmm. is so important. But it is also about having a little bit of fun with mm-hmm. it. Lady Gaga was another one that was getting memed a lot. So it was good. Gabe joins us now to talk about who understood the assignment and who didn't and who had some funny jokes about it. Good morning, Gabe. Good morning. How's it going? It's going very well. Thank you for joining us. Let's start with your favorites. We've talked a lot about the men. Who in your eyes really nailed it last night? I mean, you guys obviously brought up Lady Gaga. It was so exciting to see her really, you know, Started off with a bang. I mean, also four bangs. There were four different outfits all together in her little entrance. Like, I mean, what can you expect from Mother Monster? Like, you know that she's going to turn it out. You know, one is one or two looks is enough, but four, really, she treated all, all her fans. Um, and all those umbrellas were truly, like, the drama that we know she always brings. Um, so that was really exciting to watch. Um, and you was also brilliant, brilliant Porter. I mean... I think that these people who have these people, Billy and Lady Gaga have been artists and creators who have always like imbued their work with camp. So we always knew that they were going to um, bring it when it came to the assignment. So it was just great to see them also just come in with these entrances, entrances that made everyone kind of just like blow everyone out of the water, you know? Yeah, it was really fun. I did want to ask about Katy Perry um, because she's always on theme. <laughs> She's always on theme, but it's like, is is it quite working? Last night she was like the chandelier and then she was a burger later. Yeah, and J-Lo walked right past her. (laughs) Which is frankly all you can do. Uh, How, what did you, what did you make of Katie's look? I always am really excited to see what Katie wears to Megala. Obviously her music has changed over the years, but I think also her style has really kind of um, developed. And this year I think was just so amazing because, um, it was interesting seeing some of the technology that was brought to the red carpet. Um, obviously, she was lighting up the lighting up the room with that outfit. So I'm kind of was more curious about what the battery situation was. Um, but I mean, you can't deny it; she looked gorgeous. Um, I don't know um, how Sia felt about the chandelier being taken, but um, you know, I was I was presently surprised by um, Katy Perry. And also, the, yeah, you mentioned you guys mentioned the um, the hamburger outfit. Um, she, there's that cute video of her scaring JLo later in the evening. So I think, um, you know, Katy Perry does put a effort into her, um, outfits. So we should give her at least that, you know? I like that you brought up kind of the mechanisms behind it though. Yeah. There was also this Daya, right? Oh, Zendaya, yeah, Cinderella, Cinderella just really lit up. And then also I'm thinking, of course, Janelle Monet, like the, the was, little, do we know how eyelash? that eyelash blink was working? Do you know anything how moment? that outfit was working? I do not know. I'm in my mind. Janelle Monae was telekinetically controlling that eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, there, uh, I believe it. Were there other outfits though that you just really thought brought the drama? 
I mean, um, Lena Waithe obviously always brings a drama. I mean, always is there to make a statement. Last year, she was there with her rainbow striped cape, um, you know, displaying her pride and solidarity with the LGBTQ community. She brought that again again this year. Um, on her back had um, the phrase "Black drag queens and then a camp," kind of bringing you know the history to of the of the topic to you know the the, um, the pink carpet. Um, and also, there were so many details. Um, if you looked closely, the pinstripes on on the suit were actually lyrics to Diana Ross's um, I'm Coming Out, oh, wow. Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive. Um, so Lena is always kind of like so mindful about how she navigates the Met Gala um, and is always bringing it really with these statements. So that was super exciting to see as well. That's beautiful. I didn't catch the detail about the pinstripe. I love that. Um, well, we talked about, you know, men who shockingly uh, disappointed us by not really going for the theme. But, you know, women and people who identify as women uh, were not all perfect either. Were there some disappointments on that end for you? I think it's so funny because you can show up to the Met Gala and even, you know, all of us are on the feed kind of like um, trolling or critiquing, but like, even if you miss the mark, it's so fun because you can still get memed. Um, and I think that was something like camp, it's almost like, I kind of want to hear everyone's like mentality behind it because I think with camp, what's so important is context. I mean, obviously there were people who like didn't necessarily make the same sort of statement as Lady Gaga or Zendaya, but um, you know what? I, I think as long as you're getting memes tonight, um, that is worth um, showing to the Met Gala, even if you miss the mark when it comes to your outfit, you know? Like, you can miss the mark, but you can still kind of set the internet ablaze. Let me ask, who do you feel like was, like, the most memeable? Like, who were some of your top favorite ones that you were seeing on the timeline last night? I mean, um, oh my gosh, Casey Musgraves showing up as um, Life is Plastic. Life, um, sorry, I'm messing with the Barbie Girl lyrics, but you guys know what I mean. Um, she just looks so good as Barbie. She was getting a Sharpay from High School Musical 2. Fabulous. Um, and she really kind of led up to it. I mean, she was dropping teasers on social media, the little pink glasses. And um, she committed to everything. Not only did she have the Barbie Mustang, um, she had um, the kind of uh, plasticky hands. Like She was moving very rigidly. I think it was so exciting to see someone um, like Casey kind of have such just a like, great year and kind of also just bring it with fashion um, and really kind of understand um, the theme of camp and I think coming as a Barbie doll for her, that was just so spot on. What do you guys think of Casey? I, I loved it. it. And I love, like you said, she was kind of acting the part mm -hmm. as well. Well, Gabe, thank you so much for all of your coverage and thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Um, what, what occurred to me while listening to Gabe is that th that's the thing, you know, all these uh, fancy celebrities and actors and everything with their, their stylists and designers, you know, you can have all the money in the world, but mm. you can't, money can't buy you like personality and verve, mm. right? Like you kind of just have to have the confidence and bravado to go for it. So it's The fun. je ne sais quoi. Yeah, to see that. I look forward to when you're at the Met Gala. Oh, honey. <laughs> oh, honey. Also, um, shout out to um, Mrs. Smith for noting that Katy Perry's chandelier is a reference to Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. A very a camp classic there. I love that for that homework. So Twitter, uh, let's take our fashion takes to the timeline. I could talk about this all year, and it's so much more fun <laughs> than talking about anything else. Uh, who else had your favorite looks last night? There were a lot of good ones. Yeah, I think. absolutely. A lot of positive. Who understood the assignment? Who disappointed you? I saw uh, Kirsten said that Frank Ocean looked like a security guard at Macy's. Oof. Let us know the rest of your thoughts. <laughs> maybe there's a second thing. I keep reaching for him. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, maybe he got in there yeah, and was like, maybe there's something else. Maybe I was waiting for it. I, that would be cool if it Alas. was like he was like, this is just for inside. All right. Alas, anyways. Well, here's the thing about fashion. It frankly gives us something glorious to do before we all die. To wit, here's a tweet from the New York Times. A landmark report from the United Nations has found that as many as one million plant and animal species are at risk of extinction as humans transform the natural world at, quote, an unprecedented pace. Yeah, this story took over the timeline. For example, in most major land habitats, from the savannas of Africa to the rainforests of South America, the average abundance of native plant and animal life has fallen by 20% or more mainly over the past century. My goodness. Uh, well, BuzzFeed News science reporter Dan Vergano joins us now. Dan, I'd say good morning, but I try not to lie. How are you? I'm okay. I hope you guys are good, too. That's fair. We're here. We're not extinct yet, so. Yes. <laughs> okay, so as I understand it, uh, reports about, you know, what's going on with ecosystems, like this in that way was not new, but it seemed like the scale of what this report told us was huge. So I just wanted on a 10-point scale of 1 to 10, 10 being we are so fucked, and right now, um, how significant is this report? Well, for animals, it's a 10. They're screwed. Uh, that's what this is saying. For people, it's... 
somewhat less than a 10, a nine or an eight, uh, but it's getting there. And uh, this is basically a big shout out from the scientific world saying like, Jesus, folks, pay attention to this. Wow. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Nine or 10. It's incredible. In the report, one scientist says, if climate change were the only problem we were facing, a lot of species could probably move and adapt. But unfortunately, like you're talking about, that's not the case here. So how, like nine or 10, what does that mean for species that we share this planet with? Right. So we're turning forests into farms and ranches, essentially, and that's crowding them out and, and driving um, something like a million different kinds of species uh, towards extinction. And uh, for us, you know, that's bad news, too. We depend on these creatures to pollinate uh, our food. Uh, you know, we fish them, we hunt them. Uh, they do all sorts of, you know, services that keep the natural world humming. They make our oxygen. You know, it's the trees and the, and the algae in the ocean that are doing this. Uh, you know, to, to drive them into extinction, to create essentially another great extinction event. Well, there's only been five in the history of the planet, and we're causing the sixth one right now. We're in the middle of it. Is uh, unbelievably foolish and dire. Unbelievably foolish and dire. Um, so the authors note that the devastation of nature has become so severe that piecemeal efforts uh, to protect individual species or to set up wildlife refuges will no longer be sufficient, which is pretty startling. That's usually where we go to when we think of animal uh, and plant conservation. So, so what can individuals do anything at this point, or is it just like a, a government kind of level problem at this point? It's it's both. Obviously, you know. People need to be more thoughtful about, you know, how they consume things. You know, uh, you know, sushi five days a week is a really bad idea. Uh, and more importantly, like we need a transformation in how we look at the natural world. I mean, too many of us, we just pull up to the gas tank and put the, you know, nozzle in the tank and off we go. We never think about this. Uh, if everyone together starts to think of the natural world as something, you know, we need to, to work harder to preserve then we, you know, have a movement. And that's what, what we really need to the bottom line here. In terms of like wildlife refuges, we need to start doing things that are more active. We need to make uh, corridors between wildlife refuges. We seem to, we're going to have to transport species. We're going to have to uh, take active measures to uh, eradicate invasive species from islands where they're killing off the native life. We're going to have to start thinking about things like uh, creating gene drives in uh, invasive species that, that bump them off before they kill off the native uh, fauna. We're just basically going to have to be smarter and more thoughtful about how we treat the natural world. Wow. Um, well, I hope everyone reads the article and also watch the documentary Planet Earth on Netflix mm -hmm. because I feel like it kind of brings a lot of these ideas to life. Um, Dan, as always, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, guys. Take care. Appreciate it. Well, listen, we've got another great show for you. Ani DeFranco is here, but up next, it's Fire Tweets. I love this song. I, I love all of All right, welcome back. Let's get into these fire tweets. Mac, you tweeted. Rihanna, at home, playing with that fucking makeup. I mean, you know. And let me tell you something. She then took this idea, because a uh, lot of people were saying that. Right. She then screenshotted it. She then took a photo of all her makeup, Ooh. and that's what she posted to her Instagram. That's really funny. So she was, like, she was like, yeah, I am. I think Fenty Beauty itself retweeted this tweet with, so what? There were a lot of people that were disappointed that Rihanna was not in the mix. That's true, but I would like to remind everyone, and I, I know Rihanna's always great, but last year, Beyonce, who was not there this year, um, also did not show up, right? Mm. She was going to go, and everyone was really disappointed, and they were like, she's got to rest and everything like that. And we now know they were at the Louvre shooting uh, ape shit. So, you know, don't block your blessings. Yeah, children. this might be a blessing. Uh -huh. This might be a blessing. All right, everybody can't go to summer camp. Okay, <laughs> this next tweet comes from Kat Grafman. Petition to rename mini golf to just golf and golf to large golf. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Why not? It just makes me think of a game that's actually large golf, which is larger golf. Bowling? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like taking a giant. I'm sorry. I don't know why that's so funny. It was really funny to me. Ben tweeted, my four-year-old kid does not have an imaginary friend. He has an imaginary boss. He takes imaginary phone calls from his imaginary boss and has one-sided, exasperated conversations. We asked him once if his boss had a name, and without missing a beat, he said, 
Johnson. That's so funny. Kids, the imagination is amazing. This and is what a kid like watching Mad Men over your shoulder. That's the thing. Is like, did he learn this by watching right. his parents? Like, how <laughs> how young to know that bosses really try you for? And there's you go to this tweet because um, I know we just put it on the timeline, and it's a thread. There's more. There's At like, one point, the boy gets mad and hangs up on his boss. He's like, I'm going to synagogue. Call me later. I love it. He's like, I'm quitting. You better establish boundaries, young man. I love it. Okay, tweet of the day comes from the wonderful Alana. Alana tweeted, I just want to announce that for the first time in my life, I canceled a free seven-day trial subscription before the week was out. So yes, anyone can turn their whole fucking life around. Amen, Alana Massey. It's good to know someone's capable of Believe doing in yourself. Wow. That was one meme I did see a lot uh, of was Lady Gaga, and people were like, me starting 30-day free trials with like different... Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got a few I got to cancel. Well, listen, coming up, Amber Jamison is talking with singer Ani DeFranco about her new memoir. But up next, we are going live from the dish. Here it comes. Welcome back. This is The Sit Down, and I'm with Emmy Award-winning comedian, actor, talk show host, and author, Craig Ferguson. Good morning. Good morning, Isaac. How are you today? I'm doing really well, man. How Good. are you doing? Well, you know, I'm okay. I, I, feel, I feel vulnerable, but still masculine. Okay. So that's a nice combination. I, I that's actually, that's my sweet spot. That's yeah, where that, I try to that, live. That's kind of where I am a lot of the time these that, days. That's a good way to be. That's yeah. a good way to be. I just listed like a pretty long laundry list of things that you do. Yes. All of it is kind of connected to writing, I think. I okay. mean, so I think that that's what I would do if they said you can only do one thing. You would just write. And yeah. is, does that go way back when you were a kid? Yeah, because you... even when you're doing, you know, even when you were at school, you had to write, you know, like uh, John sees a duck. <laughs> Isaac sees a horse. <laughs> have you ever seen a horse? Oh, I have. And well, I've you are about there. it, my friend. See, you write it down and it becomes true. <laughs> that is perfect. No, if there was one job, would that be it? Would it be author? Is that like the one job you'd want to hold on to? Did you have a job maybe back in the day that you really loved, the fondness for I liked, ice cream? I, I liked being a bartender. Yeah. I, I did like being a bartender. I enjoyed that very much. I, I, I think if I could be a writer and a bartender, that would be enough. You and me, buddy. Yeah, same, were you a bartender? Same, you look a little like a bartender. <laughs> I do a little yeah. bit. I look, you look like a bartender that would be in a better bar where I was a bartender. <laughs> like, your bar would have snacks and tapas and stuff, and my bar would be like, we drink whiskey at this bar. There's That's like it. a pickled egg, maybe, but nobody <laughs> That's touches like, I'm Moose Sizzlack, and you, you're in a proper bar. <laughs> I really appreciate it's that. I'm just Thank saying. You. you also, though, you were your talk show host. Nine. But being a talk show host is kind of like being a bartender. It's it really very is. similar, right? Because now you're a talk show host and you're a bartender. It's the same gig, right? It is. It's a it, lot of talking it is. and it's a lot of listening. Listening and, and like, uh. uh. <laughs> It'd be like, oh, that. oh, really? That's really interesting. And then tell me, so you bought a house. <laughs> really? Okay. You're the best actor of your generation. <laughs> you're killing me. I did want to ask these... um. The, the 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 talk show host like you 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 stepped away from it but it was it started with David Letterman mm. are you guys still in touch Oh we try to get a hot tub once a month <laughs> Dave because Dave is a very uh, Dave and I are uh, yeah we we you know we we stay we stay close I've spoke all of the conversations I've had with Dave I'd say. Fifty percent, maybe more of them, are available on YouTube. Uh -huh. We talked half a dozen times on the phone. That was it. And that he, was listen, I, I owe everything to him, but mm -hmm. we didn't have a. There was no hot tub relationship no, there. No. As you do, do you watch late night though? Now that you've stepped away. Well, I live in Scotland most of the time, so it's not really there. It's not I mean, really yeah. there. But I mean, I, they have it. Also, I have young kids, so. <laughs> You're like, I'm trying to go to bed. Yeah. Early. Do you? Is there something? That, Let's just say, call it what it is. There's not a lot of diversity still, right? There's not a lot of women no, hosts, no, not, especially no. in those those main four that people think about. Yeah. Uh, is there somebody you'd love to see kind of step into one of those roles to get the chance that you got? I always thought it was funny. I was just talking to my friend Cheryl about this this morning. I, I always thought Aisha Tyler would make a great mm. late night host, and she never. She hasn't done it yet. Mm -hmm. And I know that Aisha is now directing movies and stuff like that, but I think she'd be great. Mm -hmm. I, that, I, I'd, always, I'd like to see her do it. You know Aisha? Yeah, of course, of yeah, course. I, I, I think she'd, she'd be really good at it. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that kind of call out. Mm -hmm. You also, 2009, you wrote a book that was basically an unlike, like about your patriotism, about why you chose to live here in mm -hmm. the US, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I wanted to ask, 10 years later, 
does that still hold up? Do you still have those feelings? Well, th things have changed all around. Uh, you know, uh, America has changed. I have changed. Uh, uh, the, my definition of patriotism has changed. Mm. Um, do I feel the same as that? I think for the most part, yes. Yeah? I think for the most part, the, the ideas that I put forward in that book, I, I can stand by pretty much. Uh, and look, the truth is I, I haven't read it in a long time. <laughs> but I, I think so. I mean, I, I believe in, in argument and discourse. I believe in, uh, in the cut and thrust of debate. Uh, I think what, I wrote that book before there was social media and before there was the echo chamber of uh, people uh, yelling at each other the stuff they agree with. Mm. So it, it, it was a different time. I'm not saying it was better. It was just different. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, what I would write today if I would write it any differently. I, I don't know. Do you think, do you miss that there's this kind of politics, this conversation? Do you miss, like, would you have liked to have been a part of it? It seems like so many of the late night show hosts now are putting Trump kind of front and center. Yeah, I, I actually would not like to do that. Yeah. Uh, only because I feel, like I just did a stand-up tour of like 60 dates and I set myself a, a kind of, uh, uh, an academic challenge, if you like, is that I would not talk about politics for the entire length of the show. Wow. Not because I don't have political opinions. Of course I have political opinions. But but what I thought I would do is I would just see if I could do it. Mm -hmm. If I was doing late night now, I don't know if I would be permitted to make that choice or even if it would be the right choice. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It, it was it, because I think you kind of get drawn into it. I think... I think late night now is different to when it was when than, I did it. Than what? And I think that's okay. It's, right, things exactly. change. You know? Yeah, like you said before, you're not saying one's better than the other. No, no. It's just that things change. All right, well, let's talk riding the elephant. Okay. What's in the title, my man? Well, uh, the first story in the book is about uh, literally a time when I rode an elephant, <laughs> but it, it's uh, which I wouldn't do now. Okay. Just so as you know, I am aware of the insensitivity of participating in elephant riding. But I wasn't then. Right. Uh, uh, this was 30 years ago, mm -hmm. probably before you were even born. <laughs> I know. Uh, I appreciate it, though. Uh, Good. You slid uh, it in. I appreciate it. This is my favorite bar. So, <laughs> um, so I went on an elephant ride. It's, you, it's a story of something that happened to me on that elephant ride, which was a big moment in my life. And also, it's a metaphor for life itself. Mm -hmm. you, you get on this big gray creature, and you think you're putting in a lot of input, and you're getting it to go where it wants, but it's kind of going where it wants to go. <laughs> how much are you actually yeah, you, in How much are you in charge? Maybe you're just a hat. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> just a fancy human you, hat. You're just, a, you're just a flesh hat <laughs> for a, a single-minded packet there. I love it. <laughs> um, you also, the, the subtitle, altercations, humiliations, hallucinations, and observations. Yeah, I wanted to also put fabrications on that, <laughs> but the publisher's like, well, people will think you're lying. And like, I am lying. <laughs> like, like, yeah, but don't tell it. people Oh, that. man, that's book publishing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you should have stuck to your guns. But let's ask real quick. Mm. Four quick questions. Yes. Rapid response. All right. Who do you have an altercation with? I always had an altercation with uh, with the uh, the sassy robot skeleton on my late night show. <laughs> we loved each other, but we always fought. Yeah, off camera, it was just oh my, tumultuous. It was, it was bad. It was it was like the heady days of when Oasis were together, when the Gallagher brothers were in Oasis. That was you know Liam and Noel. That was me and Jeff. going at each other. Uh, the second the show was yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. All right, what about one of the humiliations? Well, I, I did crap my pants. Just, just right there when you asked me. <laughs> this is right this there, is you asked the, me. This just, is one of the humiliations. That's, that's what you call a coincidence. That's amazing. Yeah, you asked me about humiliations, and, pff, I, and just, I just released. How lucky, actually, though, right? A coincidence, but a lucky one. Yeah, lucky one. For who? <laughs> what exactly did you hallucinate? Oh, well, I don't know if you can tell this about me, but uh, back in the day, I took a lot of drugs. Mm. And uh, I've hallucinated m many, many things. <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced this is happening. This this is <laughs> might be an acid trip that I took in 1986, and I'm still in it. And it's it. still happening. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to actually have to wake up and go to work at the bar. Well, that's not <laughs> bad, because then I'd be 24. <laughs> you're like, I'd take it. I'd okay. Take it. What about, finally, uh, an observation? Um... I think there are many, uh, but I think the observations. Do you know it, it's it's a little bit like we were talking earlier. I find that I've I I'm not as much of an asshole as I used to be. Mm. I think mm -hmm. I'm observing that. I I've noticed that w when I do stand up now, I don't want to talk about other people and how their behavior 
is abhorrent mm. or uh, uh, should be mocked or, or pissing you off. Yeah, yeah. It's more about how my behavior is abhorrent and pissing me <laughs> off and should be mocked. And I, I think that's maybe one of the benefits of aging. There aren't a whole ton of them. Yeah. Like I say, I just shit my pants. But <laughs> but the uh, but there are some. I think that you can you cool off a little bit. I think that's what we call growth. Maybe I, I mean maybe it's selling out. I don't. Know. Oh, yeah, don't right. don't do that, Greg. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very Shitting much. your Isaac. pants and all that. That's I all right. We can get it cleaned up. Yeah, no, we'll get we'll get yeah. it cleaned up from the next guest. You can grab a copy of Riding the Elephant wherever books are sold. Of course, up next we've got more AM to DM. Thank Welcome back. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News Capitol Hill reporter, Emma Loop. Good morning, Emma. Good morning, Isaac. Hi. Okay, so here's a tweet from Jason Leopold. The Justice Department just released a new version of the Mueller report in response to a FOIA lawsuit by me, BuzzFeed News, and Epic Privacy. Okay, so this is really interesting. I feel like everybody's trying to get, you know, the unredacted version of the Mueller report. Which version is this? What's going on here? So this is a version that has basically been processed according to the rules of the Freedom of Information Act. So instead of using some of those um, categories for redactions that the DOJ used, whether it's harm to ongoing matter or, you know, personal privacy, this version kind of applies the rules of FOIA instead, and it gives us a little bit more information about the nature of what was redacted. So, for instance, the version that the DOJ released first, uh, in one section about Michael Cohen, referenced harm to ongoing matter in one of the redactions. The version that we got says that it gives a little bit more detail. It shows that this is related to an ongoing investigation and relates to, you know, records or information that are gathered as part of a law enforcement, uh, you know, initiative. And so it kind of provides a little bit more information about the nature of the redactions. And it's the first step in, uh, you know, kind of what's going to be a pretty long legal battle. A long legal battle. Why is it important to kind of get more of the context for why things are Redacted, and are there any specific moments where we really figured out something new? Well, this version doesn't release any information that wasn't released in the first version. So there aren't any things in this version that aren't that are you know things that aren't redacted in this one that are redacted in the first one. But it does, like I said, give a little bit more information about the nature of the redactions and why things are redacted instead of these kind of very um, basic categories that the DOJ used the first time around. And it's important because you know there's an overwhelming public interest in getting this information out into the public. Obviously, you know, it's it's always possible that some stuff can't be released, but we love transparency here at BuzzFeed. And so I think we're trying to just learn as much as we can. I mean, we're reporters, right? We want to know what's in there. Fair, fair. Well, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News about something else that people are trying to find out about. The Treasury Department said it will not release Trump's tax returns, denying Democrats' requests for six years of the president's personal and business tax documents, which, of course, is setting up an inevitable legal battle. Um, Emma, what is the justification the Treasury uh, Department has given for not releasing these documents? So Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin has said to Democrats that this is uh, basically an unreasonable uh, request, that there serves no legitimate uh, legislative purpose and that it would, you know, encroach on people's privacy. And so obviously Democrats are going to fight this. Democrats have said, you know, we're going to go back to our lawyers and see what exactly our next step is. Uh, But there is a you know, a law that says that the Treasury Secretary shall turn over, uh, you know, tax information to the tax writing committees as part of a request from the chairman. And so I think Democrats are definitely going to be posing, uh, you know, a big legal challenge here. Okay, and so they're just going to be returning to that and basically taking that fight to court as well. Right, Emma? I think that seems like the next step, but Democrats will have to uh, announce uh, that in the days to come. All right, well, Emma, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. All right, up next, Amber is speaking with singer and songwriter Ani DeFranco. I'm so excited to watch this conversation. She is so great. 
It plays tricks with the eyes, turns the road. Yup, that's it, lawyers. So excited to be joined by singer, songwriter, icon, Anita Franco. Her new memoir is called No Walls and the Recurring Dream. Hello. Hi. I'm so excited you get to be here today for Thanks. with us. Thanks for having me. On book me. day. On book birthday. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's here finally. Yeah, after a few years of sitting there staring into space, somehow <laughs> it, it happened. Well, I want to start by asking you about a tweet. Uh, that someone tweeted, Mary E. Harris tweeted it. She said, the weird thing about this particular moment in feminism is that there is an Anita Franco song from 20 years ago to accompany pretty much every debate we are circling these days. Mm -hmm. So as you were writing your memoir, how much were you sort of thinking about this cultural moment of feminism that we're in? Hmm. I was trying not to really think about that, you know, and... Mm -hmm calculate what job I want this book to do in the world, you know, and uh, sort of uh, strategize about that interface. I just, when I'm making art, uh, it, it actually really helps to do the opposite for me, you know, to mm. pretend I'm alone and that nobody's listening, because then I feel freer to really just say what I have to say and, and my most core truth, you know, without worrying about what happens next, you know, and uh, how people will receive it or not, or, you know, because all of that is, is like, um, makes it claustrophobic, the creative process. So I like, I like the freedom of, of pretending you're alone, <laughs> you know, and then you go out and you find out about the world, you know, when you put things into it. See what sticks, what bounces. Well, and I want to ask, because a lot of the things in the book are themes about sort of survival, self-defense, yeah. really getting started kind of yeah. as a young person. How, like, how did you choose those memories? How did you go about that selection of, of what you wanted to focus on? Yeah, you know, that's uh, cool that you would recognize that core fact. I did the same after I had written the book. <laughs> Afterwards. Yeah, because I didn't... How did I choose? I just followed my spleen, you know, <laughs> and wrote the stories that came to me. There's, and looking back, it's like, why did I tell those stories and not those stories? I don't know. That's just how it sort of happened. And again, I try not to think too much when I'm making stuff. So, um, but then I looked at the book uh, when it was pretty much, when it was coming to conclusion, and I thought, wow, it's a lot about survival, a lot about self-defense. And I hadn't thought about my journey that way or my early life, but of course, as any young woman knows, mm. that's your daily existence. So you've written hundreds, if not thousands, of songs, but this yeah. is your first book. What's yeah. the difference between writing a song and writing a book? Oh, man, it's weird to me that it's one word, writing, <laughs> you know, because it's just so, so different for me. Um, yeah, songs, you know, I was trying to explain. It's like a moment of alignment, you know. You sort of, you position yourself within your skin and in the world and you let something come through, you know, and it's, it's, there's, it's sort of like an event, you know, whereas this, this complete sentences game was like years of whittling, you know, it's just like, you just sit there every day, chip, 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 Jesus, I'm again somewhere, is this, what am I, what is this, is this a tool, is this, yeah, it, just an endless series of moments, none of which is this the moment or, I don't know, it was just a very different kind of process, you know, more about, you know, sustaining a focus rather than, you know, opening myself up to something. Um, yeah. So your music is something that really connects to a huge generation of women. Even just saying that I was interviewing today, you know, our DC bureau mm. chief was sending me crying emojis yeah. and how you were so formative to her experience and that she would lie on her teenage floor listening to Little Plastic Castles. Mm. Little Plastic Castle. So I want to know, are there any encounters with fans over the years that have really sort of stuck out in your mind? Oh, man. Yeah, almost too many that had such meaning and... Uh, you know, where they're just so fortifying for me that it's it's hard to 
even remember. Especially now, I'm 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 happy that my career, you know, has arced beyond that kind of. I had a moment uh, on the covers of magazines, and sort of this fame thing happened uh, in the late '90s, maybe. And and since then, it's waned. And my relationship with my fans. You know, there's there's a lot more room once again for genuine connections. You know, when I meet people on the street or whatever out there in the world, and the stories that they tell me about how my music came into their life and in what weird way and the and what it meant, and you know, this is like this is my payment. This is my salary. Is uh, what I get in affirmation and and community and uh, you know. Seeing and being seen with other people—that's that's you know that's my biggest um, gift. Mm. Well, you have just given your fans a huge gift now with this new book. So thank you mm. so much for joining us. No Walls and the Recurring Dream is out today. Yay. So up next, Saeed is talking to Tony Award nominee Amber Gray. Hello, my queens. Okay, so for the next five weeks, we are going to be celebrating Broadway's biggest night, the Tony Awards, with our segment, Drama Queens, because get it? Um, we've got an amazing lineup of 2019 nominees, starting with Amber Gray from Town. Yeah. Hello. Hi there. I love this. I've been so excited to talk to you. Um, I wanted to start by reading this tweet from Ani DeFranco, who, mm. of course, just heard from. Uh, she tweeted this, Town Broadway premiere last night was absolutely exquisite. Five folk singer stars. Yeah, isn't yeah. that great? Especially awesome. from her. Yeah. Um, well, also, congratulations. 14 total nominations mm -hmm. uh, for Hades Town, and you, of course, Best Featured Actress nomination. Exciting. Yeah. What, what did you guys do to celebrate? Uh, after the show that night, we went out onto the balcony and we sang a reprise of one of the main songs, Way Down Hades Town, with it. the audience. It's so great. And there's a flower symbol in the show, uh -huh. and we have extra flowers, and we just threw them down below, and okay. the audience caught them. Okay, I was along. about to say, I've seen people walking around Midtown with, with the yeah, red yeah. flowers. Okay. They, they hand them out. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, for people who don't know um, the story of the myth that mm -hmm. Hades Town is based Orpheus, Eurydice, Persephone, all of my faves, uh, can you give them, give them a little tea <laughs> on that? Yeah. Uh, you don't have to know the myth. Okay. You know, um, you're not going to not understand okay. it if you don't know the myths, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, but the general sense is, you know, it's a time of economic depression and mm -hmm. people choose to go to Hades Town mm -hmm. where there's wealth and security and a job to have. Wow. Um, but once you go, you can't come back. So no one really knows what it's like there. Okay. It's just lots of rumors. Okay. And it's ultimately a, a place of slave labor. Wow. It's not pretty down there. Woof, woof. Yeah. Well, you, of course, yeah. play Persephone. Mm -hmm. uh, let, let's take a quick look. Yes. <laughs> Are we taking a look? Is it happening? I love it. Uh, what's it like playing Persephone? It's so fun. Mm -hmm. My, I mean, I've done four iterations of the show, and my arc now is a really good time. Somebody the other day mm. was like, you could go from the absurd mm -hmm. to the sublime. Ooh. And I think that's pretty accurate, okay. actually, because she's numbing herself the first half of the show. She's mm. in denial about what Hadestown has become. She's mm -hmm. drinking heavily. So there's lots of fun stuff to do okay. there. You know? Gives you a lot to work yes, with. Yes, exactly. Uh -huh. and, um, and then she wakes up towards the end and has really beautiful... Sacred moments. I love that. Yeah. Sacred yeah. moments. All right. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, something I love, this is your um, only your second Broadway show, mm. your first Tony nomination. So again, congratulations. Thank you. But you've been performing on stage for 15 years. Yeah. And, and before the break, we were talking about, like, listen, you're coming here this morning. Yeah. You've got two wonderful kids. And doing a show, certainly on Broadway, is very demanding. Mm -hmm. um, what is it about the stage, though, that has kept you in it and loving it, I think, for 15 years? Yeah, it is... Uh, how raw it is. It's mm. live every night, which mm -hmm. I love. And mm -hmm. you get to, especially after having children, okay. I find it my daily meditation. It's the okay. only time in the day that I have this sort of singular event where I get to actually listen. Mm. Totally focus. See, yes, mm -hmm. in a way mm -hmm. that I'm always multitasking, a little bit spacey in the mm -hmm. rest of my life. Yeah. Um, again, sacred comes to mind. Okay. It is like my meditative 
moment of the I day. I love that. I mean, yeah. I, to be honest, I feel that way about hosting the yeah. show. Like when we're, when we're doing the segments, I'm like, in that moment, I have one thing to do, which yeah. is to engage another person, another story, and it's like the rest of the world kind of falls, falls away, away for a bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, while I was reading about the show, obviously it has rightfully gotten so much praise from mm-hmm. wonderful people. I was reading like Binge Basic the other day. It was just praising it as well. Um, a critic... At the Guardian. Uh-huh. I don't know this person's uh-huh. gender or what's going on, but I would say they lost their damn mind. Um, and they described your performance to that as a hoochie mama. Wow. Um, and rightfully, I mean, that is upsetting. <laughs> it is wild. <laughs> I had to sit with it. I was like, what? What mama. is it? Where did... And so Natalie Walker, who's been on the show, tweeted this about it. Um, when a critic does not like something, I love, that's fine. Having opinions is their job. But seeing a man describe the sensitive work Amber Gray is doing in Town as a hoochie mama... Di- or this is like the full quote. Hoochie mama routine dialed up to 11... Wow. Mm-hmm. Makes me feel like we really need to talk about how we talk about women, mm-hmm. which is so true. Now, the critic apparently apologized and was like, I wasn't aware that calling someone a hoochie mama was right. rude. But what, how do you react to this? Because it is a part of the bigger system of, of misogyny. Wow. Um, <clears throat> I did not know that quote existed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's upsetting. It's mm-hmm. very upsetting. And it's not only how people speak of women, but how critics speak of art in general, you know, because art has to have an eggy phase in the middle when you're making something new. It's not pretty for a long Mm -hmm. time, and Mm -hmm. sometimes it never is, nor Mm -hmm. should it be. And art is not made to please everyone. So when critics talk about it in a way that just cuts it off at the knees right away, Mm -hmm. I find it deeply upsetting. It's fine if you don't like it, but you don't need to try to convince other people not to like it. Right, right. Um, That's just nasty. I didn't know that. And and I'm sorry, you know, but as you said, like you're doing something sacred, you know, and you're offering something live. So, and, and unfortunately, this is, Sadly, what so common that that we see, um, and, and the cast is also very diverse as well, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of it. So I just want to say, how do you, as we're all trying to like do what's sacred to us, yeah, um, while the slings and arrows, how do you stay focused and 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 go back to what you love about it? Staying present with the people on stage mm. every night because mm-hmm. it really is that event, mm-hmm. a new each time. Mm. Um, I can't think about. Yeah. Any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, I yeah. just have to let that go. And I often don't read any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I get it. So Good for you. Know. Well, let's talk about more about what we yeah. do love with the show. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like bringing the story to life with the cast? Because, like, it's Ani DeFranco's nerdy. Like, you know, I think when people think of Broadway, they may not think of folk and folk sure. singers, but that is kind of an element of yeah, it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there are lots of jazz influences, mm-hmm. New Orleans influences, right. folk. Um, it's not a typical sound that you hear on the okay. which I think is very mm-hmm. exciting. And the music alone, like we enter the space as the actors and as the band members, mm-hmm. uh, and we say all right together before we even mm-hmm. start the show. And okay. it's sort of this moment where the 20 of us are mm-hmm. going to now tell a story through music. Mm-hmm. And um, that's always the way in, that the mm-hmm. music is so fun to sing. Mm-hmm that that's sort of what turns you on into starting to tell the story every night. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, Amber, congratulations. Thank you. You're telling a beautiful story in a troubling time. Yes. So we need these beautiful yeah, stories, you know, and you and your castmates, I'm sure, are going to have a really good June. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing. Hope so so. wish you the best. Break a leg tonight. Thank you. Break a leg Thank tonight. So. Guys, Hades Town, of course, just opened up a new block of tickets, so you don't want to miss it. So, um, okay, we got to run and go get tickets. Run to our computers. Uh, next week with our Drama Queen segments, we'll have another Tony nominee as we build up to Broadway's biggest night. We're just going to continue to be Broadway nerds, and I'm living for it. Uh, up next, Isaac and I are going to read more of your tweets. <laughs> Welcome back. Bonnie Mac, you tweeted, I miss Craig Ferguson so much. He was my favorite late night dude. Robot skeleton, secretariat, lip sync, and cold opens. Yeah. He was very, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. He's one of those people when you sit down, it's like, oh, I understand how you've had success in your career. Like you are just very charming to talk with. And just overall throughout the show today, I feel like the whole back half of the show, we talked with some very successful, Mm -hmm. charming uh, people that make really good art. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I also like uh, that he nodded to Aisha Tyler, because I agree. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, it's not a mystery. We know why Aisha Tyler has not been given the opportunity to host a late night show. It's, it's because of racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was great on talk. She was a great talk suit host uh, mm-hmm. for a little mm-hmm. while. And she would be dope. And it does, this feels like if ever there was a time to allow a black woman at the end of a long day of news and culture to just come and just rip us to shreds. <laughs> and this is it. Now is the time. I'll also <laughs> say to that point, that was the answer. He had it. 
Oh, yeah. You know, like, like, you yes. could tell he has thought about everything. Mm-hmm. I ask him about himself, he'd be like, hmm, huh, huh. He's like, like, oh, no, I this is like, this is exactly. He's like, in fact, it's been weighing heavily on my spirit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, friends, well, we asked you, of course, um, who had your favorite Met Gala look? Jolie says, are we not talking about Cardi B stepping on everyone's neck uh, in that Tom Brown fantasy? That is a good point. She looked wonderful. Yeah. I am- love. She's good at camp. She's very good. Grammys, again. Uh, the Ari Mugler outfits as well. Tom Brown, this is so good. I read something that took like 2,000 hours and 35 people to make the dress she wore That's last night. incredible. Mm-hmm. I'll just say this about, we could have talked about the Met Gala the and whole would. show. You know we Like, would. that's the thing. We I wish there were so many other people mm-hmm. we wanted to talk about. But for me, it's also like, anybody that had other people there to help them, that was a good <laughs> sign, right? Lady Gaga had folks helping with the umbrellas. Did you see Naomi Billy Campbell Porter. brought someone, a man who was just fanning her feathers? I was gonna get yeah. that. Could you imagine yeah. that? He was like, these feathers can't be flat. They can't be flat. That we need would movement. be great. We need movement. We need so movement. anytime, <laughs> literally just had one person there to wave that Billy yeah. Porter and of course Cardi B that yes. was like had like use that thing had a trail yeah. and Lady Gaga with the uh, umbrellas was, was just pretty, I don't know what it was but it was such a I also think it's a nice way like is that like how you sneak your friends in <laughs> <laughs> Miss Carrie says Billy yeah. Janelle Monet uh, Monet sorry Ezra Lupita Gaga and Mike. We didn't get to talk about Lupita. That was amazing. Right? My favorite moment was Big Frida and I Sierra. I love that. Them dancing on the way up. I, I, it seemed like it was right before it all started. Maybe they like anointed the pink carpet. Mm-hmm. But I just love like Big Big Frida. It's just so wonderful and just great. And her and Sierra looked like they were having a good time together. And I, and I said this before. I just felt like there was a lot of black glamour last mm-hmm. night and black camp and black mm-hmm. clear camp. The whole cast of Pose I saw was invited. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty cool. So it was just... I don't know, a pretty You, sh- you showed me that video this morning, and I, oh, ab- yes, I was absolutely delighted by yeah, it. I hope it they're, was fantastic. Because they were playing a song that I hadn't heard before. Maybe they're about to put out a song. Ooh, that would I be, would like that. That would be dope. Big Frida also has a great song with Lizzo mm. called Karaoke. That's Who was really also good. there, yes. and I just saw, wore her dress to the airport this morning. Mood. Camp. That is camp. Camp. Willing to go through TSA security in a gown. Camp. Camp. I love it. Well, thank you to I feel yes. like I learned. You did. You did. You did. He only needed an hour. What's the rest of y'all's excuse out there? The rest of you men just being disappointing. Anyway, thank you to all of our wonderful guests today. Dan Vergano, Emma Loop, Amber Jamison, Gabe Vergano, uh, and Ani DeFranco, Amber Gray, and Craig Ferguson. Thank you all. Yeah, again, just wonderful conversations, every single one of them. Ani was absolutely impressive. Was we will be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Good luck. 